0: I thought we were very middle class. I said, you know, like the Cosbys. <laughs> like the, is that,
1: but that's how you live. Yeah. So, you, you know, the Cosby old, show. And yeah. And,
0: and so I, I, that was, to me was like normal.
1: Mance, I want to thank you for taking the time to come this morning. My pleasure. Right. Um, Let's start off with the first question. Okay. Now I've, I met you only once, and you've been here for you said twenty years. Twenty-two I mean? years. Twenty-two years. Yeah. And I met you once at a party the Dan threw. Right. Right. And that was at the Sun Hotel, I believe. Yeah. I met you then, and you had your camera with you and stuff, and you're a photographer, or you were at that time. Yeah. Where were you born?
0: I was born in uh, Michigan. Okay. So my parents were in grad school when they had my sister and I. I have an older sister. How many years difference?
1: Uh, A year and a half. Okay. Are your sister and parents doing okay?
0: Yeah, everybody's good. My sister's in DC and my parents go back and forth between South Carolina and Ohio, depending on the season. you are from South Carolina? No, but um, once they retired, they they bought a place down there. And my dad's mother is from South Carolina. So we have some connection with uh, with Charleston and the family. Right, so, um, right. so they go down there uh, in the winter and come back up to Ohio in the in the spring summertime.
1: Yeah. Have you ever gone? Have you been down? There? Oh yeah.
0: Oh, uh, Charleston's beautiful. You know, I've it's the yeah, it's the number one destination uh, location for weddings. Is that right? So in the US? yeah, and Hawaii is too. Okay. So that that should tell you
1: something. Is that right? Because yeah. the because the changing of the leaves and everything. Well,
0: you know, they have the kind of. Uh, old southern style mm-hmm. that you know, the antebellum kind of houses and stuff a lot of people yeah, like that Yeah, the dresses and, and the battery so yeah. and they have these great uh, oak trees with Spanish moss that grows on them. so it was really scenic. Yeah. Um, but you know of course there's a lot of history, both good and bad down there but yeah. um, it's a very interesting place and um, during slavery times a lot of the slaves could actually hire out and they could get work passes. So they could actually leave the plantations and go work in the city. Mm-hmm. And they had permission to do that and they could make money on their own. Right. And so there was a lot of black entrepreneurial uh, history in Charleston. Right. So right. it's it very different from Virginia and, and other states. Yeah, yeah. But you yeah. know, we had big uh, slave uprisings in, in of South Carolina well, also. All,
1: I think they were everywhere, but they yeah. just, you have to look deep enough to find them because they find, were taken yeah. out of the Rooker books. Yes. It, a lot of people didn't want people to know that that took place. Right. That's happened in modern history too. There were some uprisings in the military mm. during the Vietnam time. Oh really? That they won't talk about, which I'll tell you during months, Yeah, that actually took place that were big oh, deals. That's interesting. I didn't See, Yeah, I, I mean I, I didn't I mean, that's the same. our history has been just think about the American Indian. Right. we have been snubbed down. Right. <laughs> they were annihilated. Right. And the history is lost, right. basically. And some some tribes are completely gone. Yeah, but that's interesting. Anyway, I don't know if I'm going to keep this in or not. But yeah, let's <laughs> get all this part out here. Get back to work. so where, where, where were you born again?
0: You said so. I was born in Michigan. Michigan. Um, my parents were in grad school when they had us, and then um, my father taught for a couple years. Mm-hmm. So we lived in Virginia, and then we ended up moving to Seattle. Um, and we lived there for uh, three years before moving to St. Louis. So. What did your
1: father teach?
0: Um, I'm not actually sure. So he got his PhD in agricultural economics okay. because he wanted to study entrepreneurship. But there was no um, major that had that as a, as a topic. So he found these um, farmers in Michigan who would um, have, you know, when you can go pick your own mm-hmm. fruit or pick your own corn or whatever. That's how they would make uh, money, Mm. because as a farmer, they couldn't, you know, they were in the red. So they they started these businesses where they would have just, you know, the average Joe come pick corn or whatever, and that's how they would make enough money to make it through the year. So he was (coughs) researching that, and these entrepreneurs. So that was what his major was in. So I can't imagine he was teaching agricultural economics,
1: but- What about your mother? She just. Uh, she was a,
0: she got an MS in nutrition. Okay. Yeah. Um. And then they got into business, and so most of my life, my parents were entrepreneurs. Is so
1: that, what yeah. kind of business did they have?
0: When we lived in St. Louis, uh, they owned a company that made uh, and repaired uh, railroad cars.
1: What? Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Wait. Your mother and father started a business. Did repaired railroad cars yes well, how what kind of repair like what um
0: so you know the, the 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 cars are the the make up a train right um they would manufacture them okay. and sometimes there would be damage to them so that they would repair those okay so they had that company um probably f- 15 years or so and then they got a contract uh with the government to make these huge um boxes uh containers that you could put a tank or airplane wing in and you could stack them on top of each other and they had a hydraulic floor. And that was a contract that that the Navy was buying these containers. So they did that and then um, my dad kind of saw that that business was kind of, railroad industry was gonna go down. Mm -hmm. So he got into uh, automotive. So they bought a company in Ohio that made um, car parts. So automotive stamping.
1: But how old were you when your father had the first company? Do you remember, were you a little boy or were you?
0: Yeah, so um, we moved to St. Louis in 81. So um, how old were you? I was in first grade. First grade, oh. Yeah, so, you know, I grew up with them running that company and we used to go, the company was actually in on the edge of East St. Louis in Allerton, so Illinois, mm-hmm. so across the river. Um, so we used to drive through East St. Louis all the time and, you know,
1: how many people were employed in this company, do you know? I don't know, several hundred. Okay. Um, so when you came in, they knew you were the boss's son? Yes. <laughs> yes. So you were very affluent as a little kid.
0: Um, you know, it's funny, I always joke with people. I, I thought we were very middle class. I said, you know, like the Cosbys. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Is that, but that's how you live. Yeah, so you yeah, know, the Cosby show, yeah.
0: And so I, I, that, was to me, was like normal. but um, yeah, It would be. Of course. Uh, but you know so I ended up going to a school in Clayton which was in the county mm-hmm. and that's where um, after the um, the trouble in Ferguson happened that was where that trial was it was near my high school and I was living in the city so we were actually in the voluntary desegregation program so we were bused to school so I, I rode with all the other desegregation students to school every day
1: but what kind of school did you go to?
0: So it was a very rich, um, you know, suburban um, white
1: school. White school <laughs> in Clayton. Wait, so the school that you came from was pretty mixed, or was it? Yeah.
0: So my my uh, elementary school was very mixed. Okay. Um, and it's really crazy. So you remember the family that um the the people were protesting, and the family that the wife and husband came out and pointed their guns at them? No. Okay. Of, but that was. So this was. Uh, two summers ago all right well yeah two summers ago
1: you, you you're talking me n- n- from now
0: yeah remember so i don't want the Oh, okay so so after i don't, I don't <laughs> after the shooting of uh, well the killing of, of um, mr floyd george I know floyd you know about that, yes. so there were protests all over america okay. and in st louis these people were protesting um, along a, a private street mm-hmm. And these two people pulled out guns. I might have heard of that. Okay. okay. That was literally the street across the main street and diagonally from, my, from where I grew up. You grew up there? Yeah. So this was like, and it was literally two, three minutes from my elementary school is where mm-hmm. all this happened. So it was just so bizarre um, to see that. But, you know, St. Louis is a very segregated city. What city in the state is it? But St. Louis is like the deep south. So there's a street called Delmar, east and west. North of that is 99% black. And there's a street called uh, Grant. Mm-hmm. And south of that is South St. Louis. It's, it's, again, 90-something percent white. So, I mean, where I grew up was very mixed. But, you know, just two miles north of that was, like, all black. And a few miles south of that was basically all white. All white. So you knew where you could go right. and, and where you shouldn't be right.
1: and things like that. So You knew that from a little kid. Your parents yeah. would basically let you know. yeah. And your, if they didn't, your friends would. You right. knew where you could couldn't go. But,
0: you know, I didn't really feel like racism. Um, it's funny, though. In, in high school, I was playing soccer, and we were playing a, a team from the, the kind of county. So it was very, you know... Uh, rural, white, no black people. And I stole the ball from this kid. And he was like, nice play.
1: No, he didn't. we
0: And I was, I just like saw red. And, and I did you do? I started chasing the guy. And I was cussing. And, 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 and so, of course, you know, the referee blows a whistle. The, my coach takes me out and had me sit down for a few minutes. I was so livid.
1: You caught him, I'm sure.
0: I never, I wasn't able to do anything. But you, know. but you did catch him. Well, I mean, he knew he messed up. Because I saw it in his eyes. His eyes got, you know, like this. And he, he said was, what he was thinking. He yeah, said, he was running. He said, was that
1: my inside talk or my outside <laughs> yeah, talk? Yeah, and, <laughs> and I I couldn't believe it, you know. I was just Isn't like... that funny? That was the straw. The nerve. That was the straw. He <laughs> <laughs> picked the wrong straw.
0: <laughs> but, you know, St. Louis was a, a, a very good city to grow up in. We were right near Forest Park. I didn't really feel... Um, you know when I think now what like what a child needs to develop and and live their best life you know a sense of safety and protection and being loved and and that was all there in abundance and we had great neighbors um, one of the women who lived down the street from us uh, Frankie Freeman, she was a civil rights attorney and she worked under Johnson so she helped get a lot of legislation passed and she used to have these parties at her house and she would have people from like Yemen and all over the world,
1: and it was it was very. So you your first taste of really international mixing. Yeah, yeah.
0: it was really. And she was kind of like a a, a a grandmother figure, I and mean, she you know, she helped mentor my parents. So and you know, there were a lot of people Is she still like that. Or? No, she passed away, by um, the, and she was pretty old when she passed yeah. away. And um, there's a book about her as well. Is right? So um, and her husband was a photographer. So is that what you? But I I I started um, getting interested in photography in uh, high school. Okay. There was a, um, a photography uh, professor teacher at our school who was black. Okay. And I took his Wait, some, class. Most your teachers weren't black. No, no. He was one of the few black teachers at well, my you can high school. you could count them on one hand. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you can count them. On, on, on two fingers or so.
1: <laughs> wait, man, so wait. So wait, I want to go back a little bit. So elementary school, what was your elementary school like? The person you can remember, what was it like?
0: I had a great elementary school. Um, it was mixed, and the teachers were all very... Um, so it was a private school, um, and the teachers were very um, caring and real interesting. One, um, she, she made these stories... And she would read us these stories, and um, it's interesting. So there were there were a group of us who would would uh, draw in uh, in recess or you know when we had free time. And of that group, um, two are artists. I'm a photographer, and one guy's a, a outdoor. He does outdoor stuff.
1: As a result, of it, yeah, and it just happened to be. You guys, just were, happened you to be. Guys were very creative anyway. Right. And you're doing things in your adult life that were very creative.
0: Yeah, so I mean, it, you, you see how things really hit you at a young age. And, and they, you don't they think were, about nur- it.
1: But you were being nurtured in the areas that you liked anyway. Right. You weren't being told, no, stop that and do your math. Right.
0: Okay. Right. So so I had a great um, ele- elementary school. And it was like a five-minute walk from our house. So we would walk to school. So we lived on the corner uh, of a street, and there was a major uh, thoroughfare uh Right there, and two lanes going each way, and so I would I would walk to school crossing that street from elementary school, so you know if there weren't any cars coming, I would go against the light yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> allegedly yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know so so that experience of you know walking to school were you close
1: with your sister? Yeah, so just two years old yeah you, so right?
0: so we would walk together to school. Are you still close with your sister? Yeah, so um, she has two kids now so you're an uncle I'm an uncle. And uh, the my How old are kids? How old are uh kids? my nephew just turned uh, fifteen. Fifteen. Wow. Let me let me say that again. My
1: nephew just turned fourteen. I, <laughs> I say it both ways and. and
0: Make Just sure the which one's <laughs> <laughs>
1: Wait, I'm gonna let you hear this whole thing right here. No, you're gonna get you're gonna get the you're gonna get to hear your uncle not know if you're fourteen or fifteen. I'm not taking this out. No, no. Go on. I'm pretty sure he's fifteen. But right. well, say hello, you don't forget that's your camera. Say hello
0: <laughs> to your family if you want to. Hi everybody. So um and my niece is uh thirteen. Okay. Or twelve. All right. So, I think she's twelve. So
1: this, she she did the same space in the yeah, same one. And my, exactly. my
0: dad and my aunt are the same. Okay. Um, pretty much. So it's, it's pretty interesting. Okay. And it's just the oh, he two of them. And had a sister. He had a sister. He what has an older mother? sister. What about your mother? She had, uh, so let's see, Carol, Charles, Carl, oh, she had quite a few. Uh, Kathy, okay. Cynthia. So it's five. Right. And they all, and my grandmother and grandfather, uh, Cosby and Carrie. So everybody's a C. Are you kidding me? <laughs> really? Yeah.
1: Look, wait, so your mother, where's she ranked among her siblings? Uh, she's the third i want to so say. she's in the middle or no
0: maybe no. she's the fourth okay. yeah so um no 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 so she has an older brother older sister her a younger brother and a younger sister so, so she's, she's in the middle, middle. yeah in the middle. exactly okay. in the middle yeah
1: and your father is he the oldest or youngest the youngest he's so? the youngest and yeah. i'm the youngest so um, you know so you guys both know that, what is oh that? Yeah. they have an older sister oh yeah
0: but my, my, my <laughs> nephew is older than my niece, though. So it's the only, so that's the only one. Sister, your sister broke the tie. <laughs> she broke it. She
1: broke the tie. <laughs> and you, you contact you can't your family often? Oh, yeah.
0: You know, I think especially during COVID, um, you know, when you had downtime, we would just, uh, and, and also because things are a lot cheaper these days, mm-hmm. or it's
1: free, basically. Tell me, so, I was just talking to my mother this morning. Yeah. Let me ask you this, man. When did they finally feel like you're not coming back? 'Cause I'm sure they tried to pull you back. Didn't they for the first yeah. ten years? <laughs> well, I think my parents
0: knew um from an from an early age that I was really interested in Asia. Okay. Um and when I was in high school, um well let me backtrack. So when I was uh in nineteen eighty, I saw Shogun, the, the um the mini series with uh uh Toshiro Mifune and Shimada Yoko um or Yoko Shimada rather and um it was the you know the the, the real thick novel mm-hmm. um, and it after the Thornbirds it was the next big mini series and it was a huge hit. It it had the highest um viewership and as a result of that, all these you know sushi restaurants and tempura restaurants and all these Japanese things started becoming very popular all around America. And um, there was a scene in this drama where these ninja come out and attack. There's a night attack on the castle, and I was just blown away. And I said, "What? What is this?" And I was like, "All oh, these ninjas, they're so cool." I was like, "This is what I want to be."
1: Isn't
0: that interesting? How old were you this <laughs> time? So I was seven. And that's when you knew. Yeah, so I saw these ninjas and it just blew my mind and I was like, this is what I want to do. And then um, there were a lot of movies in the 80s uh, with this guy named, this actor named Sho Kosugi, who's from Nagoya. His son is a really big actor here called Ken Kosugi, but he did all these ninja movies, low budget, really bad ninja movies in America in the 80s. So the whole 80s I was like just enthralled with ninja. So, you know, martial art magazine, you know, most kids and most guys in school were reading, you know, car magazines or something. Mm -hmm. I was reading martial art magazines. So I was really into martial arts. And I used to make my mom take me to South St. Louis, which was like the white section. There was a little um, uh, Chinese run uh, Asian martial art shop. So they, they had antiques and incense and, you know, nunchucks and all kind of stuff. But they also had the ninjas books and, and weapons and things. So I used to whenever I would save up enough money, I would ask my mom to take me and, and we'd go down there. So so my, you know, uh young formative years, there were a lot of influences like that. Um, And some more subtle, like, you know, we used to watch uh, Speed Racer and Battle of the Planets, all these Japanese anime, but not really kind of piecing together that they were Japanese. But, you know, I watched all kind of, you know, samurai films and and kung fu films. And so I I always had this interest in Asia, but it was kind of very uh, immature. I didn't know, you know, what was what and what came from where. Um, But that was something that just fascinated me. So, so
1: you, But your parents picked up on that right away.
0: Yes. And my, my mom, she went back and got an MBA when I was in uh, elementary school. Okay. And their graduation trip was a trip to China and Japan. So they, they went to Japan. With your mother and father? My parents. Okay. And, and left you guys back at home. Left us at home, right. and I never let them forget how
1: <laughs> I was so <laughs>
0: I was so. How old were you this time? I was probably like ten or something.
1: And you just. Said, I was so why hurt. Why did I get these kind of parents? I was <laughs> like,
0: why didn't you take me? And I had I, I had one request. I wanted my dad to get me a ninja outfit, and he went all over Japan looking for one. He finally found one and he bought it for me. And when I got it, I looked at it I said, mm, "This isn't authentic."
1: <laughs> you did not. Did you really?
0: And to this day, he yeah. always brings that up.
1: He said, me. All he
0: went through <laughs> to get
1: this thing, and you look at see, it's not authentic. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that something? Yeah. Was your sister is much involved in the Asian? No. She what was had, her interest? Um, just out of curiosity. You know, just
0: normal things, you know. Um, she, uh, she started running track, and then I started running track after
1: her, so. You see, but she was super bad, because your group beat out everybody else. That, that four, four 100? Yeah, yeah. You guys killed them. You <laughs> yeah. had to hold the trophy up there on the <laughs> top and you had everybody standing beside you like this. <laughs> All those other teams. Well, that's a funny story because so that was, was my play. freshman year. So I, was went,
0: it? I went to state freshman year. Well, you must have
1: been anchor. Uh, I, anchor. Was
0: a, I was the lead. Oh, you are the yeah, lead. I was the but lead you've been such a gap. Yeah. <laughs> but um, the team that should have won is actually, it was a school called Berkeley. And they were our rivals. Uh, and they're actually in Ferguson. So where the Michael Brown incident was. That's where that school is. And uh, they dropped the baton. Oh, and we were like, thank you. Thank you, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I was a Hurt what, what school was that? I, I went to Clayton High. But whose school
1: was that meet at?
0: Oh, that was at State, at uh, oh, Just st- Jeff oh, City. Oh, oh Jeff uh, yeah. City. At the yeah. State yeah. Capitol.
1: It was um, packed up pretty well. Yeah. Nuts.
0: So um, so yeah, so I ran track, uh, I started- Is that
1: the only thing you did was for the, for the relay? No, 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 I was a hurdle. Yeah,
0: so I was a state champ. I was actually national champ, uh, junior Olympics when I was 16.
1: But and what f- got you into track and field? Well, you, you were headed towards art in elementary school. Then you get into junior high school. What happened there? Um, I don't know how we got
0: in. Well, my parents used to run many marathons so they used to, you know, run. So um, but then they they used to take us, and we would bike ride and things. But then somehow we got into it. I think they just wanted us to do something in the summer so we wouldn't just be at home. So we started running track, and then my sister was really good. And then I found the hurdles, and I fell in love with them because it's so much fun because the jumping and... and um, So I really got into the hurdles. So I did that through college. So maybe 13 years I ran track. Mm -hmm. Um, So I did. You know, I'd play basketball in the in the winter, Mm -hmm. and then I would play um, soccer in the fall, Mm -hmm. and ran ran track in the spring and and summer. Yeah. Oh yeah, track was fun.
1: So when you went to college, what did you major in?
0: Asian studies.
1: (laughs) (laughs) From the get-go no so it's funny
0: (laughs) so i started off at university of michigan i was there a year and it was too big and too cold and i came back home and went to university of missouri for a semester and then my best friend from high school was at pomona college and he's like you should come to pitzer and i was like what's that and so i went to visit and i fell in love i mean california you know, you got the ocean, you got the mountains, the beautiful women, the weather. And I just loved it. And, um, but I never declared my major. I could have done international studies, I could have done Spanish, and I ended up doing Asian studies. So I had some options. But I was actually, I declared a year after I was supposed to.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But, um, so yeah, so um, I studied. My, my university, they made us do China and Japan. China and Korea, China or China and Southeast Asia. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't just do Japan. Yeah, yeah, right. But um, is that what you wanted to do? Just Japan? just Japan was my interest, but but through my program, you know, I got to study, you know, a lot of different Asian religions and culture, history, art. Um, I even took a Japanese like econ class. So it's it's kind of very um, multidisciplinary. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing was, I never had like a plan. Like, okay, this is my life's goal, and I'm gonna do this, this, this. this get, no, yeah. So I had no idea, because Asian studies isn't a very useful major. You can yeah. either go to grad school and teach, right, right. or you can be a consultant or something. But with just an undergrad degree in Asian studies, it doesn't do really much. <laughs> and I, I had no like thought of that. And it was just what I love, so I, I just. So how'd you get
1: here? So um, I I actually when you came here was it had you come here during college time? Yeah,
0: so I actually came here um, my the summer of my sophomore year in college. I um, I asked my professors because we didn't have any study abroad at our our college, but um, I asked my professors if you know they knew any good programs. And one of my professors was was friends of a professor who had a program through uh, University of Kansas. Uh, Topeka, Kansas. And their sister city was um, Hiratsuka in Kanagawa. So the University of Kansas and um, Kanagawa Daigaku are sister colleges. So I I went on that program. So my sophomore year, summer, it was a dream come true. It's my first time coming to Japan and I, I fell in love with everything. Um,
1: how long were you gonna how long did It you was for? it was 6 weeks. 6 weeks, okay. And, and what were you to do during that 6 weeks? So we
0: had classes at the university okay. and then we went to Kyoto and we stayed with um, we stayed in this dorm and you know hung out with students and things. I went to karaoke for the first time and I did it twice in one day. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you liked that, much?
0: It was so okay. much fun. So I went in the in the in the daytime and then with different friends in the evening we went and, um, I mean, it, everything was great. And, you know, we studied Japanese mm-hmm. and everything. So when I got back to college in the fall, I had enrolled in Japanese. So the first week of class, I'm like, oh, oh. And I, I knew all the answers.
1: You knew all of them. I
0: knew everything. So they had to do something with you. So by the second week of class, I was like, what? Like, this is like, it, all of a sudden, it was a totally different language. And I was, like, lost. So my whole six-week summer program was actually officially a, week, a week's worth of Japanese. So I actually didn't do that good in Japanese, and I ended up dropping it the next semester. And then um, my, the, um, s- the winter vacation of my senior year. So winter vacation, senior year, I was like missing Japan and I wanted to come back. And I was trying to figure out how can I get back? You know, I'm a student, no money. So I decided to make my thesis about um, monks' lives in the temple. And the head monk of Tofukuji Temple in Kyoto was a good friend of my professor. So I wrote to to the monk and he was like, yeah, you can come train with us so they in the winter they have this really intense week-long zazen practice where it's like almost nonstop meditation and they don't sleep and actually it's interesting because a lot of monks actually reach satori during that time but i think half of it is because they're just you know they're they're sleep deprived and they're meditating nonstop. so we would get up at like four in the morning they would chant for an hour and they gave me a sutra book i mean it's all cursive japanese i'm like looking at it and they would chant for an hour so i would just hum just to stay warm and then we would meditate for an hour have breakfast and then during the day i had free time and they would work and then we would meditate again at night so i did that for 4 days
1: and what was the result of it you and
0: it's weird because somehow Japanese started clicking for me. And my time, you know, in the temple, you barely talk. Every time you try to say something, they shh, don't say anything. So, um, but I met this woman who was visiting the temple and she started talking to me and, and somehow I, I, I could understand. So it was really bizarre. But then I went back uh, the next semester and took Japanese. So I, I kind of had a year off from Japanese. And then the last semester, so I only studied Japanese for one year in college, mm-hmm. um, but then when I graduated, I worked for my parents.
1: So what, what were they doing this time? Uh so um, this is when they
0: had the automotive stamping company. So okay. they had a factory in South Carolina, mm-hmm. in rural South Carolina, a place called Sumter. So I worked there in the in the office for uh, two years.
1: Now, when you say stamping, I don't understand. What do you mean? So
0: um, a lot of the car parts. Um, there's coiled steel that rolls through a press and it stamps these parts so you have a a big sheet of steel that gets as you stamp it it gets smaller and smaller and then you just have a little piece and then that's what goes in the car okay and uh, it's very loud and very you know it's it's a fact factory um so I work there and you know people always oh you know you're so lucky you know you're working for your family, and, this, and they don't understand. Like You have such a different feeling of responsibility. So you know, most people, nine to five, at 501, the, the right. office is a ghost town, no one's there. But because it's my parents' company, yeah, you know, one time I worked uh, 21 days straight. Mm. So no weekends, no, you know. Um, so I, I had a lot of stress. And I was really not loving being, you know. I went from California to South Carolina, rural South Carolina. And, um, you know, I wanted to be back in Japan. And this girl I had dated in college, she uh, messaged me or called me up out of the blue and was like, oh, you know, do you still want to live in Japan? I was like, yeah. And she's like, I think I can help you. So she knew some people whose town was near our college in California, and they were hiring teachers. Because they had a sister city in, in um, Tochigi, so I actually got um, through her, got an opportunity to interview in California, and they said okay. And so I got to teach uh, junior high English for two years. Wow. So because I'm
1: going through the JET program, right?
0: Wow. It's a little better. The pay was better, and mm-hmm. you know, I had a um, we had these townhouses, and I had a two bedroom um, living you know living room mm-hmm. kitchen huge bathroom, all to myself, um, for two years. But of course I was in rural Tochigi, so it was very, uh, you know, Inaka, very country, but, um, I, I had a ball.
1: Did you find that, did that help you to pick up Japanese quicker?
0: So, interestingly enough, I wasn't able to study Japanese because there were no classes in my town. But, um, on the weekends I would take off, I would go all over. Like, I even did the, um, Uh, the pilgrimage in Shikoku, the 88 temples, Hachiju, Mm Hakkashio, I did that by mountain bike. So I would Mm -hmm. just get on the train, go to Tokyo, or, you know, do my martial arts. So I was never at home. So, you know, just over the two years, looking at signs and reading signs and things like that, you know, you start to pick it up. Um, But my Japanese wasn't great, Mm -hmm. you know, it was fair.
1: So when did you come to Japan? to be where you are now.
0: So I moved back uh, to the States in 2000 and from 2000 to 2002 I worked for my parents again. And this time in Ohio. But I was like, okay, I don't wanna lose the little Japanese I have. So I made friends with the Japanese students in town. So I would always hang out with them and speak Japanese. And so I figured the best thing was to really master Japanese was to come back and I did a language program here at uh, Takushoku University uh, in Myogadani. and that was just two years intense, nine to five every day Japanese, and that's
1: really what kind of yeah was it reading and writing as well reading writing or everything happened? Yes.
0: yeah but the the funny mm-hmm. thing is, so when I had come to look for a program, I stayed with a friend on the Tobu line from Ikebukuro, and every day I, I saw this poster, and I couldn't figure out what, it was this beautiful Asian woman with long hair, long flowing hair, and I knew it wasn't a photo, I knew it wasn't a painting, but I couldn't figure out what kind of art it was. So finally I went to this exhibit at Tobu Department Store, and there's a white guy in a suit standing there. And I'm like, oh, hi, and I walk in and and see the exhibit, and I figured out it was cut paper. So it's uh, these paper cutouts, kirie is what the Japanese term is, And I was getting ready to leave and he was like, you know, did you understand the work? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, well, the artist's wife is having a a book signing. If you want, you know, she can sign your book. So I was only there for two weeks and, you know, I was on a budget. So I bought the cheapest book, but I was first in line for the book signing. And when his wife uh, greeted me, she's like, oh, hi, nice to meet you. And I told her I was coming back in six months to study Japanese. She was like, oh, then we should have tea. And she gave me her business card. So, you know, when I come back in 2002, I start to um, interact with this artist's widow. And, you know, I would translate things for her website. And she would have me come to some of the exhibits. So when I graduated from my language program, she hired me. And we had a... um, we had a, a, a tour of all the Mitsukoshi. So um, when I graduated in 2004, we had a exhibit of his art. Um, the artist's name is Miyata Masayuki. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he was considered the number one KidA artist in Japan. So we, we had a, a exhibit at Mitsukoshi and um, Nihonbashi. We went to Sapporo, Osaka, uh, Fukuoka, Sendai, so, so we went all over. And before I actually started working for her when I was still a student, she had an exhibit of his work inside the Forbidden City mm. where the Chinese emperor's art collection was. So I actually got to go on that trip. So this was my first time. the sort of
1: Forbidden City?
0: My first time in China. Wow. We stayed at the state guest house where they mm. had the six party talks and you know i got to see the great wall and 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 we had our um our reception dinner was in the the hall of the people so there congress so i mean it's just this amazing experience and I, I i was like well i don't ever need to go back to china cuz you're not going to top this <laughs> but um so i worked for her um for about 10 years. Is she still doing well? She passed away in September. Oh, did she? Yeah, so I actually found her at her, uh, she lived in Shiro Kanedai. And actually, I went over to her condo and I found her in her bed. She had already passed away, so.
1: You're the first to decide. Yeah,
0: but she was like my Japanese mother and my mentor for 20 years. So she gave you, yeah, so I had a key. You had a key and everything. Yeah, so um, I used hey, to drive her around. She didn't have a, a, a license, so I would drive her a Jaguar, and I would chauffeur her around.
1: <laughs> How old was she? She, she was 78. Old. Oh, that's too young. Yeah. Man. Was but she in bad shape? She in bad
0: No, she, she a couple days before, she had said she had a fever, and, you know, I, I messaged her, do you know, do you want me to bring she you anything? She passed this past, past September. September. yeah.
1: So this was just last year.
0: Yeah, so just a few months ago.
1: Was it COVID? No. No, it, it wasn't COVID. COVID. Okay. Yeah, but we don't they know what it was. They, don't, they didn't say it. Yeah.
0: So, um, but it, it was, um, you know, it was a big surprise. But because of that, so these last few months, I've been helping out um, with trying to secure his legacy, you know, his artwork. There's still a lot of his artwork that the company owns. Um, and so uh, trying to deal with, you know, the disposition. Dispensation of her, um, you know, her apartment and all that stuff. So it's just, just a lot of stuff. No, no family. She's the only, she was the herself. Yeah. She so was the only family
1: she yeah, had. Yeah. So that's
0: interesting. And uh, actually, she came to the States. I brought her home for Christmas one year. So your family got to so her. Yeah. So everybody loved her and knew her. And, um, you know, she was like my Japanese mom. Really. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So um, that's neat. But, you know, I had worked for her and we were doing exhibits till she was about 70. So mm-hmm. just about nine years ago, 19 years ago, she kind of slowed down. Mm-hmm. And you know, I was like basically her chauffeur, I would take, take care of her dogs and take her shopping. And I'm like, you know, I didn't really, this wasn't my goal of being in Japan. Right. So I had been doing photography more on, as a side thing. Mm-hmm. And that's when I decided to um, start my own company. And so I've been, you know, sponsoring myself the last,
1: um, I guess, eight years. What's? The, can you say the name of your company? Oh, it's
0: just Mans. It's it's it Man's Pro. So Mans, Man's Pro, Pro. Mans Pro. But um, you know, my main thing is photography. But I do translation, and um, you know, sometimes I do things
1: on TV. Yeah, yeah no, I've seen that too, yeah, right? Yeah, so you know, there's a lot so you of you have a little modeling agency you go to. Yeah. Is, is there one in particular that you use all the time? No, no, no. So uh, you I, yeah, freelance. freelance. Yeah. You're freelance. Yeah. No, free I freelance. Freelance. <laughs> freelance.
0: <laughs> there you go. But you know, the last few years I've been doing mostly studio photography. Okay. So I contracted with a Japanese studio. So, you know, before that I was doing parties and entertainment movies and uh, concerts and you know so i've done everything fashion i've done you know the entertainment i've done parties which do you enjoy the most (sighs) oh gosh you know it's kind of it's kind of embarrassing but i really like uh nature photography so (laughs) (laughs) and you're shooting people all the time You'd rather
1: be out in the woods, huh? In the woods, or, really? you know,
0: and I love um, fireworks. Uh, I'm, I'm working on an exhibit coming up, and it's going to be mostly fireworks. Mm. Uh, and I did an exhibit of my firework photography in Thailand mm-hmm. uh, a few years ago. So that's really what I love, but, you know, the, the kind of shooting people and stuff is what pays the bills. Right.
1: What do you shoot with? What do you uh Canon. Canon? Yeah, kind 5 of
0: uh, um, have Right now I just have a regular, uh, it's a uh, 24 to 24 70. Yeah. Okay, you don't
1: need much. They, I've heard before that if you're a good photographer, it's not the equipment, it's your eye.
0: Yeah, you your know? eye is mattering,
1: but... You can make a small camera look like it's yeah. taken by a pro if you're really good.
0: But also, more so than the camera, the lens is what's the most important. Yeah. Having right. a, a really good glass. A li- yeah. Right, the like proper amount of yeah. light and everything. But um, the, the, all the cameras right now are, are, are comparable. And mm-hmm. even, like, um, you can shoot really good photos with your iPhone. I know out. that. Yeah. I know that. I mean, and now everybody thinks they're a photographer just because the, you know...
1: The, the camera's capable, right? Yeah.
0: But, um, you know, it's it's been interesting. You know, I've shot everything from, um, you know, uh, prime ministers to, to royalty to, you know, to just regular people.
1: Uh-huh. Um, what would you say, are, give me your top three or top five shots you've taken that you think, now this is, I mean, this is the one. Um, so I was shooting this
0: um, music um, event in um, Odaiba. And as we were leaving, we were looking at the sky and we are like, man, this looks like really ominous. And this huge, just, front came in it's like a black cloud over Tokyo and in the distance there was kinda light and it was towards Skytree and we were crossing uh, Rainbow Bridge and I, and I looked up and I saw it and I was like oh my god this is amazing so I had that time I had a telephoto lens so 70-200 to 200, and it was packed away and I tried to take a photo with my my cell phone and it wasn't working so I, I put my camera back together and right when I took it out We were near Hinodei station Mm -hmm. on the highway and it just opened up. So I got, I rolled down the window and I I took a shot. And I got this perfect kind of futuristic Tokyo scape. With this crazy dark cloud over Tokyo. And that was, you know, just being at the right place at the right time. That's your favorite
1: picture? Yeah,
0: that's one of my favorite photos. Mm -hmm. Give me another one. Um, Another one. Uh, it's not the best photo because it's actually not perfectly focused, but I was in uh, Rikugien. It's a little garden um, inside Tokyo that's real beautiful. The, um, the fall fo- foliage is, is amazing. And the first time I went there, there was like this little narrow brook. And this, this leaf was like just floating down the brook. And I just happened to catch it. And it looks like it was frozen in time. And that's my favorite photo although it's not my best photo, but it's, it's still my favorite. Nice, um, nice, nice, nice. And I've got yeah. some pretty good photos of Japanese fireworks, but it's not me, it's the fireworks, you know. Jap- Japan has the best fireworks in the they world, so. so. Yeah, so, yeah.
1: but. So what do you see yourself doing from this point? You've been here for how many years again? 22 years. 22 years, yes. what do you see yourself doing from this point? Are you plan on making this a long term?
0: Yes, yes. I don't see myself leaving Japan. Um, you know, I think if you live here four or five years, you can kind of take it or leave it, and it's easy to leave. But once you've been here 10 plus years, it's, there's so many positives, um, and it's so easy to live here, uh, especially if you can speak some Japanese and are interested in the
1: culture and the people. I, I think it's hard to leave. Have you thought about changing your, your nationality?
0: Uh, no, I haven't thought of that.
1: Because mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot, there's quite a few people doing that. Now. Yeah, you know, I have a, a the, friend. The Japanese have made it easier, especially if you plan on staying right. here. You've been here for a while.
0: Right. I actually have a, a, a friend who's black and American, and he changed his nationality. Um, I think, do you know Henry? I know yeah, me, so. Henry, yes. Yeah, so, um, I never really thought of that. Um, but, um, you know, I, I definitely feel like I'm American. Mm-hmm. But the longer I stay here, I, I, I feel like when I look at the news and things that are happening in America, I, I can't understand mm-hmm. a lot of what's happening. And it, to me, it doesn't seem like the country I grew up in. So um, mm-hmm. I definitely plan on you know um, planting roots here. So um, I'm actually writing a book on uh, Japanese ninja movies. So... Um, When I was a student here studying Japanese I used to go to the antique markets and one time I found a guy who had uh, posters and I was like oh do you have Shinobi no mono, which is a famous um, 1960s ninja film and he did. So I bought this poster and it was like wow you know this is like the holy grail of ninja movies Um, and after a while I you know I just started going every every Sunday he was there I'd buy posters from so now I think I have probably 200 ninja movie posters so one of the probably the best collections in the world and one day I said you know it'd be kinda interesting to find the actual movies and so I started looking and back then it was VHS and there were just a few on DVD but um, I started you know writing down all the movies I could find and buying all of them and watching them and, and writing kind of a synopses of them. So uh, over the years, I've been able to find that they actually made more than 400 ninja movies in Japan. And the oldest one was 1913.
1: You have that?
0: I don't have it, okay. but I, I have records of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they've actually, ninja movies in Japan is actually over a hundred year history. And there were actually several ninja movie booms, the first being in the 19-teens, and then the 1920s and the 1930s. And then the next one, the big one, was in the 1960s. So um, I've actually gone and spoken at at several, I spoke at the uh, the National Film Center. So um, in uh, Kyobashi, there's a film center. So I, I gave a talk about ninja movies there, and also in Iga, which is the area where ninja are originally from. Um, the mie University, they have these symposiums they do. So I actually went and spoke about these movies. So I've been working on writing this book um, the last couple years. So that's one of my big projects
1: I'm, I'm, okay, I'm working on. Okay, you're going to probably end up speaking here too at time. Yeah, that'd we be do cool. That. I'm going to oh, introduce, yeah. you, I'm oh, introduce okay. you to the... Um, to the person who can set it all up for you. Okay. Because he's the librarian and our historian, too. Oh, nice, nice. And he loves that kind of stuff. Yeah. And it's
0: fascinating because no Japanese, um, you know, I've met a lot of real famous researchers here. None of them have researched this. And none have compiled, taken the time to compile, you know, all the ninja movies. So this, there's a history that's just, you know, well, hidden. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, so it's just really fascinating. Um Well, oh, i got a lot of thoughts right now. Yeah.
1: That's fantastic. Okay, there's a question I like to ask everyone at the end, man.
0: Oh wait, I gotta do one thing. Do do.
1: do some more things. So,
0: you probably don't remember this, but we met years ago. Before Dan? Yeah, we met years ago. So, um, when I was in college, there was a documentary about blacks in Japan. That was Struggle and Success. Yes.
1: uh, um, Reggie Reggie Life. Reggie Life. And my
0: cousins are friends with his parents in Detroit okay. Okay. and so they got me in touch with him and so I had seen that and seen you in that documentary and one time I'm, I'm trying to think when it was it might have been when I was living in Tochi, but I, I had come to Shibuya and I was walking um, near the crossing and I saw you and you had this um, you had this uh, trench coat on mm-hmm. so it was you know late fall Early winter, and I said, "My name is Mans, and in your lands, and and that was the first time I met you. Really? And you know, it it was really kind of um, inspirational to me because this is someone I, you know I had seen who's made it made a success in Japan and was in this documentary. So then to finally meet you there, it was is real fascinating. And
1: we went to we be the crossing. Or? It was near it was there. there. Near there. Yeah. Okay, it was, we'll but um,
0: yeah, but. I was like, wow, this, I, I, I know this guy. I've see, seen him <laughs> on you know this documentary. So that was the first time we met. Well, that's and I'll never forget that because, you know.
1: I, I, don't remember, I don't remember that, I guess, but I should. Yeah. I should. If you said your name was Mance, I'm yeah. I've had that happen a couple of times. Really? When people have come to me here, I have one guy that saw me and, you know, I, won't, I don't know why I don't forget him because he was ex-military, I think. Mm-hmm. And he said, young man, keep on doing what you're doing. And that was just out of the blue. that's all he had to say. All right. And I said, well, yes, it doesn't matter. Just keep on doing what you're doing. Huh.
0: Okay. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> like yeah, I, I will? <laughs> I guess I will. But, you know, know. I think, especially back then, and being someone black who's interested in Japan, you didn't have role models, you didn't mm-hmm. have a, a, a kind of blueprint of how to succeed. So to see that documentary and that talked about people doing various different things in Japan and, and then to actually get a chance to meet one of them it was just really, it made my day yeah. oh, That's good to good to hear
1: <laughs> Tell me, what do you consider a good life in Japan? Uh,
0: just being healthy and um, you know, having friends around you and being able to see Mount Fuji <laughs> Those are my three things That sums it up
1: Thank yeah. you so much, All right. I want to thank you so much it's been My pleasure I want to thank all of you for watching this podcast. Remember, it's all unknown, so continue to reach for the stars because you're too blessed to be stressed.